rising up back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. Welcome to Dragon's Cast, a podcast brought to you by Dak Bacalums who break down the impact of an alien ship entering our solar system. But first, Drexel Basketball. With me today, I have Marshall Fleming. New season, baby, going undefeated. <laughs> Nick and Trieri. What's up, baby? 2019. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little premature, but like most things, Nick, the Bill, Morton. <laughs> oh, man, these are some enthusiastic uh, entries here. <laughs> well, um, so we, we're here pretty much as, uh, kicking back things into gear with the season opening very shortly. I think we have an exhibition game this weekend. Uh, are you guys making it down for that game, by the way? We're gonna, I am. We're, yeah, Bill and I are going are gonna to chew for it. So looking forward to it. Great. Marshall, I assume you'll be here. You're on the East Coast for a change. Yeah. Uh, I'll be at the women's game for sure. And then... Uh, I'm going to make it for at least the start of the men's game, uh, but then I've got plans that evening. Well, we, you know, we, we know you're popular, Marshall. You don't need to rub it in. But, uh, <laughs> and are you going to make it, Leon? I'm going to try my best. You know, with the, with, the, with the new addition of little Tony, it's a little harder to get to games, but and the exhibition one might be one that might not be worth it. But at the same time, I'm very curious to see this roster, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, boy, do they, this is a completely different bunch of people than Ver that uh, we're going to be seeing playing this year. So I'm pretty excited to see what's going to happen. But uh, before we start talking about the new season and the new players, I think one thing that uh, somebody posted the Slack channel this today was Isabel was picked to be one of the top 25 impactful players. Did you guys get a chance to look at that? Or? I Who's saw Jermaine it. Isabel? <laughs> I was going to say that too. I saw it. I knew who Jermaine Isabel is. I remember him. Um, Did you get his yeah, jersey yet, he, Bill? I didn't get his jersey yet. Ugh. Uh, I probably won't. I won't be getting his jersey, but um, I mean, I think he's definitely one of the top twenty-five most impactful players is to transfer. I mean, that's the kid averaged twenty-one points a game. I mean, any school that's going to get a, anyone who dropped twenty-one points a game uh, at almost any level in D one is going to be making that list. I imagine. I think he was pretty low. Was he like twenty on the list? Yeah, Which I, I think he was, was pretty low too. But I guess this. It'll be interesting to see how much uh, traction he gets over there. But on the bright side, it doesn't look like he has any competition from a uh, point guard position. So at least he's getting that part of his dream come true. I mean, uh, now they have a lot of recruits, St. Louis, right? They, they brought in a bunch of guys. They, had another, they, got, they were kind of stacked. I think they're picked to be, if not the number one team in the A-10, one of the top teams. So they should be pretty good. I mean, I really don't give a shit about Isabel, I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's move on yeah but did you guys uh last time we uh, talked to coach spiker he gave us a little piece of homework about uh 50-year transfers and their successes potentially and the programs that go into i don't i didn't get a chance to look into it but did you get any either of you guys get a chance if not maybe we can ask somebody on the slack channel to look into the success rates of 50-year transfers i didn't do homework when i was in college i'm certainly not going to do homework now that i'm out uh, yeah, I agree with that sentiment, but I, I didn't look up anything either. I will, right before we have the next podcast with Spiker, I will do that bit of homework. <laughs> so you like to wait till last minute. Okay. This is totally off topic, but I just... Did you see that blonde chick was on Thursday Night Football, Bill? She went to Drexel. <laughs> Colleen Wolf. She went to Drexel? That blonde chick, yeah. I remember her. She was in the top 40 under 40. Oh, really? No, I didn't Didn't see her. She was in her... I think... Were you under the top 40 under 40? I don't know. I think I should be, but I'm not. <laughs> Make a call. Yeah, Anyways. how come you haven't made a call yet? You should be under the same list as Colleen Wolf. <laughs> I remember her. Like I think um, New Bill knew her. Remember New Bill? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think he knew Colleen. If I remember. Wow. Her. How did you fa- how did you connect these dots? Do you actually remember Colleen? Well, or? I saw. I got that uh, magazine. Oh. Oh. Okay. And I saw her, and like there, right there, Bill. You, she's talking about the Raiders right now. She went to Drexel. I don't remember her. You remember her? No, do you? Remember like remember Shane? Yeah, I remember her. I feel like I remember her. <laughs> Is she the one who's married to John Gonzalez, the former Philly sports writer? I'm not, I'm not sure who she's married that to. That sounds like more homework coming your way, Marshall. <laughs> this is this is the first time hearing about any of this, so I'm not sure who she's married to. Anyway, sorry, sorry, Leon. Is is there like an IMDB for just Drexel grads that I can look up people like this and see what they've done there? Uh, work they've done and their trivia about them i think it's called linkedin that's 
You're right. It's unfortunately littered with people in, from Delaware as well, but I guess it is yeah. LinkedIn. But uh, if anybody on the Slack channel wants to take, give it a yeah, shot. Yeah, you're I right. Guess. John Gonzalez. I just Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> but if anybody on the Slack yes. channel wants to take on this assignment of homework, please feel free. Uh, figure out how many 50 year transfers actually end up being successful in the program they transfer out to. In your guys' book, you think, is Dame a success? I guess he is, right? Yeah, I would have to put him in the success bucket. Well, I think he had he, personal success, but the team got sanctioned and missed the NCAA tournament. So I, I obviously that's a wild card. I don't know I, if uh, the homework assignment was as much success because I think a lot of it had success. I think it's they help, help their draft status more by leaving. Yeah, that's that's essentially what I was trying to say. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, did they help their careers in, in in basketball? Did they help their career in basketball by transferring out as a fifth year transfer? How often does that actually work out in their favor? I think in Dame's case, I'd have to say it did. Yeah, I would agree. I was going to play the contrarian there. I mean, he ultimately ended up getting to the NBA. Didn't get drafted, though. But he ultimately ended up getting to the NBA. So but, would he have gone to the NBA if he stayed at Drexel? I think yes. He wouldn't have got drafted. He would have got brought onto a, probably a summer league team. I think almost the same thing would have happened. Plus, he still would have married Steph Curry's sister, and he would still be on the Golden State Warriors <laughs> this year. Well, maybe I don't know how he met Steph Curry's sister. Maybe he met her at like a Louisville event. She went to Elon. Oh, so okay. <laughs> Side note about John Gonzalez: He was a former Dak Pack enemy when he was a Philly sports writer for writing shit about the Dak Pack when we played Rider on ESPN. Just wanted to throw that in there before we get too he far back a, on topic. He was an enemy <laughs> of the Dak Pack. Yeah, enemy of the Dak Pack. Oh, man. Was that on the, the list we had on the old website? Is that where he was? I don't know if he was on that list. I think this was a uh, New Age list, New Age Dak Pack. It was more like a note on somebody's computer and text edit? Probably. Nice. Yeah. Well, with that, I guess it's uh, one of the big things that we had recently happen. And, Marshall, I'll let you take this one because uh, you were pretty much a big proponent of it, was uh, you guys publishing an opinion piece in the Triangle but pretty much as an open letter. So, Marshall, you want to take it away? Give us a little background on how this came to be. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, this idea of a letter and ultimately an open letter towards President Fry has been about six, seven months, at least from the end of last season uh, and, and going forward and talking to different people about it, getting different perspectives, and then ultimately... Um, we all know that there's a lot of people who care about the program. Uh, and some of them are on, a lot of them are on the Slack channel. A lot of them aren't, but we just hear for various reasons, people are staying away and we see it in the stands to uh, the number of people who have been staying away specifically from men's basketball. And so Fry hasn't really seen a level of success that we had. And he still wrote that Wall Street Journal piece a couple of years ago, where one of the things he mentioned in there was the importance of college athletics. And his, his entire piece was about why Drexel says no to football, which is fine. I don't think any of us want football because we wouldn't be good at it and it's not worth it. But the sports that we do have should be a priority. And it seems, uh, especially when the announcement of the squash arena came around, that they have all this capital to do the squash arena, giving it away to the U.S. Squash Committee, and even if they're the ones spending the money on it, but then having money for the uni- from the university to find new facility for students. And all this while apparently there's not money left for advertising the most popular sport uh, that we do play, which is basketball. So the letter gets a lot of different opinions. Uh, I coordinated it, but by far... Uh, there's more than just my voice behind that. Um, and then Nick, you also co-signed it. Um, did you have any thoughts when you first read it, uh, and, and agreed to co-sign? Uh, no, I mean, I, I agree with the, the heart of the article in that, um, you know, we want to get the DAC pack and, uh, enthusiasm for the basketball team back to what it was. Um, I, I mean, I'm really optimistic that, um, we can get there if we start to have a little bit of success. I mean, I think it's, um, it's a little bit hurtful for us that, that go all the time, uh, and, and commit to this and, and kind of see some resources, money spent on, uh, squash 
But, um, you know, I think no disrespect to squash. You know, I think we have a great squash team. But, um, you know, I think we feel that basketball is probably the most marketable sport uh, to incoming or prospective students and for alumni to kind of remember their Drexel pride and to see us on TV. I don't know how many people last watched a squash match. I know there's probably some high-level squash being played. I mean, I just played a ping-pong match at the AXA office uh, for the number one spot, but I don't think anyone really cared. There was one spectator. It was <laughs> Really? Usually those are highly sought-after events. I'm sure surprised you don't have a television you know, deal yet. So, I could broadcast you know, it. And, you know, I've actually played squash before. I, I played tennis in high school. I think it's a great sport. It's very fun, athletic. It's just not very marketable to masses and it doesn't it's hard to get excited about it at a mainstream level and i think we all want to see drexel basketball um pack the arena and 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 do the things that it needs to do to try and get back on top and i think coach spiker is doing those things i think um you know i'm very excited about some of the recruits we've gotten i think we had a great trip to australia from what i'm reading about uh so i think all of that um, spirit is in the article there, and we got a lot of people out of the woodwork to sign it. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, and and specifically the reason we got a DAC pack leader from every year, uh, from basically the start through uh, the early twenty third, I guess the twenty thirteen season was that's kind of a way to represent all of the people from those classes. Yes, obviously the people who signed were the among the most diehards, but. For, at least for me, signing as 2011, there's 100 people I know who, from my graduating class, still follow the team, even if they're not showing up every game. Either they live just outside an area where it's too inconvenient or, for whatever reason, they've let it lapse, even though they used to come. And so it's really representing their voices as the ones who were kind of in charge of the DAC pack for each of those years. Nick, you were 2005 or four, right? Uh, it was 05. Uh, and also, um, it's not in the article, but Roland um, did respond to the email saying he also agreed with the article. I think he was just late for the publishing date because he was out of the country. The first DACPAC president of 03. So, mm-hmm. what was put together seemed like almost like a you know encapsulated the emotions more or less in the conversations that continued to happen on the Slack channel, probably over the course of the last year or since we had the Slack channel and with uh, with people talking about it. The reason we directed it towards uh, President Fry, like I mentioned, is he didn't necessarily see the success from being at the university from when the DAC pack started, what it grew into, and then two snubbed men's teams, a women's team making the uh, making the NCAA tournament and all of the promotion. And I, I feel pretty grateful for being there in the five years that it was pretty good. And then a couple years after me, and then it started to taper off. So that's kind of why we focused on the start through the 2013 class. Um, but we wanted to direct it at President Fry so that he can see the importance of it. Um, hopefully, he realizes uh, that they um, that basketball is indeed an important sport, and that there's people that he can work with to get it going. This isn't directed at the athletics department that we all know uh, ourselves and who treat us really well uh, and who who work their asses off. It's, it's really at Fry to commit the resources so that those people have the money to do all the things that we last for in that article, the advertising, the program, promoting it to the, um, to the alumni in the area and things like that. So, um, that, that's the focus. It's not towards the athletics department, towards the coaches, towards the players. It's really the top of the university. Yeah. And from, you know, what, what I could take away from the article and you shared with me before publishing and, you know, after reading it on the triangle as well, I, I didn't think there was anything, other than, you know, uh, a call for essentially being able to do something that we've done before once and, um, and, and just letting them know that there's a group of people that really care a lot. And I think that's, I'm hope, we're hoping that's already obvious to some people, but is it obvious to folks that maybe, or the President Fry, who wasn't around for the times when we did pack the deck? So I thought that was very well done. Did you get any feedback or anything yet on this? Or Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, feedback from... Um, uh, other alums who we didn't ask uh, to sign, uh, and actually a lot of alums who were around even before 
the DAC pack was even a thing. So we're talking before Drexel was in the CAA, some more the Malik years, some before that, some after that. So the, um, the, the feedback's been good. Uh, there hasn't been any negative feedback that I've heard. Um, I haven't heard from anyone at the university yet. Um, we're obviously welcome to any conversations and we keep in touch with, uh, with all of them at a regular basis and see them at all the games. So I'm sure we'll talk to them, uh, the next time we see them about it, but yeah, we, we hope that it's a letter that spurs some good and ultimately, like I said, getting university capital back into the athletics department specifically for the promotion of Drexel basketball. Yeah, that would, I think that's the intent. And I think the message was pretty clear. Uh, did you, it was funny because after I think this was posted or around the same time, uh, Rob had posted a video of us, our victory over Villanova back in 06, 07. I put a link, I'll put the link to that in the, in the show notes, but it's crazy. Like uh, that year and the 2012 year, which I think you were there for Marshall, uh, were incredible years. And if, if you really come to the games today, it's really hard to imagine it, I think, that at one point the DAC was a place that teams really didn't want to play in because of how loud and obnoxious it got. Yeah, absolutely. I, I specifically remember Eric Maynard on those VCU teams yelling to his coach 12 feet away that he can't hear because of how loud the DAC was. A 2,500-seat awesome. arena that sounds like a 20,000-seat arena at points for the players on the court. That's how loud it can get. It's an intimidating thing. We're not going to be Kentucky. We're not going to be a power school, but we can be a great thing within the mid-major uh, mid-major label that we wear. Bill, what did you think of the article? No, I mean, I think every, everyone's on the same page. I mean, everyone, we, we want to get it back to where it was when the team was good and the stands were packed the deck and and the school wasn't focused on squash. So, I mean, I think everyone's um, on the same page here. And I, I mean, no, when the deck is packed and it's, it's, it's one of the best places, I think, to watch a game. So, um, I mean, hopefully we'll get back to that point sooner than later you guys all get your tickets renewed all paid up yeah yeah i did yes sir I, yeah i paid up for a while ago but i haven't received them yet i guess they didn't send them out yeah i did like an e-ticket so i'm just gonna get mine on my phone i guess it's probably the best thing otherwise i keep forgetting sometimes myself so yeah i must have forgot it like <laughs> half the games last year now do we know of any attrition from uh like i guess the season ticket holders that's happened with uh, the recent years being saying not as great, or I, or I think, are, do, are we down to the bare bones of your fans, where these are the people that are the never-die fans? No, there have been some people uh, I know, and then others who have commented on the Slack channel, uh, that they this will be the first year that they're not season ticket holders. Um, I'm not going to name names, because I don't know really? if they want to be known, but yeah, they... <laughs> one of the arguments, and maybe I just remember it more, because I tend to agree, even though I keep buying tickets, um, is... They are not going to buy season tickets again until Zilmer's gone, which is, that's fair. That's their opinion. Um, others, the squash thing was the final straw. So everyone's going to have their own opinion. Hopefully the team wins enough that those people will come back or whatever amends can be made that those people will come back. But winning in general will get a lot of people back. But even if we're a season two, three seasons away, uh, from actually winning and being 20-plus wins, whatever that may be, there are things that the university can do in the meantime um, just to get fans back in general. There's no reason that with 75,000 alumni in the area, attendance should be as low as it is. Yeah, but I don't know if the alumni is ever going to get that, even during the best ACPAC years. Was the alumni fan base that much bigger? I think it's always going to be harder to get alumni uh, than it is like the current fans, but again, that's not a, our problem. They, I think there's some people that are working on it, and hopefully, I think there's a meeting on it this Saturday, so hopefully, some progress gets made on that. But you're right; there are if there's 75,000 people that live close by. Unfortunately, a lot of those alumni might not even have known about the Drexel basketball program when they were there. Exactly, which is usually the case when I talk to some alumni. Let, let me let me put it this way: there's and and sorry, I don't mean to dominate the conversation on this, but. There, some of the blowback that I did here, or it's not even blowback, debate is a better word, is with what we were calling for with like marketing, like, oh, does a billboard on the highway actually contribute to new season ticket holders? And just like Crash Course in Marketing 101, there's an idea of branding and there's direct response. 
and billboards and things of that nature fall in branding. And maybe they don't directly lead to someone thinking, oh, I need to buy Drexel season tickets. But it implants the idea of whatever the billboard is saying, in this case, Drexel basketball, in people's heads. And then you have other channels working alongside that with a more direct marketing, uh, direct response marketing approach that gets people actively thinking about season tickets and you reach out to them. And there's all kinds of things that you can do. It's what I do for a profession. And there's, um, as long as there's money from the university, I know the athletics department knows how to do it. Um, But I think there's a reason that we don't see billboards around the universe, around Philadelphia anymore. But when I go down 76, there's been a temple football billboard for years uh, for people who drive from Delaware County into the city. And I'm never going to go to a temple football game because I hate them, but there, I certainly know that billboard. And if I was inclined to be a fan of temple football, that's reinforcing that every time I go down 76. So there, there are things that you can do even for the people who haven't been season ticket holders or even go to a game yet for alumni. Like imagine what, if there was money to buy all of the advertising space in 30th street station, Imagine what that would do for the image of Drexel Athletics. Yeah, and some of that is just awareness even, right? Like, I, I, yep. the problem is I, there is definitely a significant population that went to Drexel that probably never during their tenure knew, even knew there was a Drexel program, or even if they did, they might have gone through. I know people that have been there even in the, some of our better years and didn't know the program existed. And that's that's clearly an awareness issue at that point because we were good in those years, mm-hmm. so... What's stopping these people? That what's stopping folks from knowing? Yeah, you know what's funny is I remember Temple football being a laughing stock, and they were talking about getting rid of Temple football when we were in college, or maybe shortly after that. Um, so they've come. It's a good example. I mean, they've come quite a way in terms of their team, and uh, you know I don't know what their attendance is. No idea, but I've seen that billboard myself. And I don't live in Philly. I recall that billboard driving down there. So I, I totally hear, Marshall, what you're saying, and you're the expert in the topic. One question before we probably want to go to the next topic, but have you heard anything from the article at all since it's been published? Um, yeah, so uh, when you guys lost power there for a second before you hopped back on, um, I have heard positive things from other alumni. Uh, haven't heard anything from the... Uh, athletics department directly about the article, but we're, like I said uh, to Leon, we're around there enough that I'm sure even at the exhibition on Saturday, we might talk about it and hopefully it just generates positive conversation. And I've had conversations about some of this stuff with people besides President Fry. um, And for the most part, we end up being on the same page. Um, But going up to Fry, hopefully he can just commit to it or the new senior vice president, uh, who's in charge of that, which we just found out about uh, the other day. It doesn't necessarily, Taki wasn't the one driving basketball, but we would work with the senior vice presidents when I was in school from 06 to 2011, and they were great. Oh, you need twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 to do this for Drexel basketball because they understood that it promotes the university as well. They were down for that. Like, <laughs> There's enough money at Drexel to do all of the above plus squash. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I saw that recent, uh, I guess I saw the link on the Slack channel of the new uh, senior vice president as well, Marshall. I don't know what to think of it yet because I think it's too early, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like he's coming from a program that necessarily had much uh, athletic, say, involvement because I think he's coming from NYU. So it should be interesting to say the least. With that, to some more happier news, we just uh, we did land a player that should hopefully fill some seats, right? If, if he turns out to be the type of recruit that we all think he is, TJ Bickerstaff. I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, I don't know how much of the uh, if you guys got a chance to watch his mixtape that's on YouTube. I'll put that in the show notes. But overall, looking at this recruit and everything I read about him, it's really hard not to get a little hyped up about this. Uh, but I guess we have our recruiting analyst expert over here mr william martin well, did you get a chance looking at this kid what, what's your take bill yeah i already watched two of his games from his junior year um he, i mean he looks like he's got a lot of potential I and mean, he's like six eight he handles the ball well 
he fits what we want to do on uh, Spiker's offense with um, being able to get up and down the court. He's good in transition. He can shoot threes. Um, he can do a lot. Like the, the his his uh, potential is sky high. Uh, hopefully, he'll be able to come in and contribute right away too. I mean, uh, it does seem like Spiker's best recruit that he's gotten since he's been here. Um, Where is he from? I think he's from. Is he from Georgia? Georgia. Yeah, right. he's from Georgia. Yeah, uh, and, and I think um, I, everything I've watched, like I built, and Nick, if you haven't checked out the mixtape, it's a short video. It's actually he's got he's the kid is long, and he seems to play like he seems to have this, some good vision, which we've always lacked a little bit when it comes to some of our big men, at least in the more recent years. Uh, I don't know how much of a uh, defensively he's going to help us, but from an offensive standpoint, he looks like he could really be a difference maker. Um, yeah, I saw a, someone. I saw someone compare him to like. Ben Simmons a little bit. I mean, he's not really a point forward type of a guy, but he does have good vision and he can handle the ball. Um, for a guy who's six eight, I mean, it's pretty impressive. And then what we're watching is junior highlights, so it'll be interesting to see what he does um, as a senior too. I mean, I I think we everyone's right to be excited about him. I think he's. How do, how do we get him? Do you know any insight? I don't have too much insight on how he landed on. They look like. I think Dan Crane speculated. He saw a tweet from 40A that like was like fireworks going off the night before we landed him. So okay. uh, whether that was related or not, I don't know. But um, I, the coaching staff has to be uh, ecstatic to land the kid. I mean, some people were talking about he's top 100. Um, I heard well, a couple sites I saw had him at top 200 or top 250 somewhere in there, which is still That's really good. good. It's pretty good. I think one site had him around top 100. I don't know how credible it was. I don't even remember what site it was, to be honest with you. But um, definitely a great recruit uh, for us picking up. I mean, rankings we know don't don't always matter that much. As I think our highest recruit that we remember from us being here is Kenny Tribbett. Yeah. Um, and while that kid I don't was think Malik really, was a top whatever. Recruit. I don't think Malik was that high either. Neither was Dame. So I mean, you never know. But he definitely has the potential to be a very good player for us. Wasn't he originally slated to go to Memphis until they got rid of uh, Tubby Smith and um, what's his name? Was it Penny Hardaway, who's there now? Yeah, that's, and, that, that's what I saw too, Marshall. Yeah, so interesting that Tubby wasn't Smith committed had yet. more lore than... Yeah, but it seemed like they were the front runner. Yeah. It, interesting that Tubby Smith would have more lore than Penny Hardaway. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the connection you build with the kids. So I guess it's when the coaching yeah. staff switched out, you know didn't have it there. Maybe Penny was looking at some other kid that he had ready to go. Who knows? But I think Georgetown was in the mix. There was a couple other big programs that um, that were definitely in the mix for him. And somehow Spiker and, and crew pulled it out. So, I mean. So I'm a superstitious guy. And the fact that we stole a recruit from Memphis. And Memphis is the team that we beat in the NCAA tournament in 1996. Is it a sign? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I guess 100%. Vickers so. Lee is going to take us to the tournament. That's not his name, but you're close. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Bicklesworth? Bicklesworth, yes. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we have a true fan on the podcast over here. <laughs> he only learned the names once they We're going to get you here. a Bicklesworth jersey, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it can go along with Bill's St. Louis Tremaine jersey. Oh, man. But no, this this kid looks like uh, you know. I guess it's a 2019 recruit, so he's senior next year. So it should be interesting how he does. But uh, at least we got a verbal commitment, and that's big news, man. That's I I don't think we've had a player with that skill set, right? In his uh, that kind of position ever at Drexel, at least during our time. We've had very few like genuine threes with that type of skill set, if any. I can't. Who who would you compare him the most to? Like, I guess if you had to, from that we've had, yeah, that we've had. Because I can't um, think of any. The only person who's close to size, Sammy. No, Sammy not Sammy. Shorter. I would say Tavon. He's passed really well, and that's not a great comparison. But Tavon Allen, just because he was, you know, he he was six seven and was probably like a three. I'm looking at his mixtape right now. The problem with these mixtapes is like. Everybody looks like Jordan on these mixtapes. No, that's true. But there's a couple of plays in there that I think he stands out. And, and that's why Bill watches the entire games instead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news is now, like, you, you don't even have to even go to these games. Like, there's multiple games on YouTube. If he just searches right. his high school that you can watch, you just have to be willing to sit through. 
you know, multiple high school games. <laughs> yeah, I, I just take your word for it, Bill, and trust it. I trust the word. Of I Bill. enjoy. I mean, I enjoy watching our prospective players. I, I think. I mean, overall, I think our recruiting has been good. You know, I don't remember if I said this in the last podcast, but I, you know, obviously, Spiker was not planning on Tremaine leaving, and you know, it was a calculated risk that we took, and things don't work out. And I understand that. So, you know, we're starting from a little bit behind the eight ball this year, but looks like we picked up another solid recruit for next year. So I'm pretty optimistic. You know, even if we, um, I don't know if we're going to get to predictions. Maybe we'll wait till after we see the team. But but um, even look at the team, right? Like just jump into the roster that we have pretty much this year. I was just looking through them this year. Uh, a little bit before we started, and it's kind of crazy how many of these guys, you know, uh, we're, we've never seen play before. It's going to look like a completely different team, and I guess this is the first year that's all Spiker recruits except for Sam Green still, uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see what shakes out. I don't know if uh, I could even predict who the starting five are going to be at this point. I mean, there's a couple people that are definitely in the starting lineup, which is Kirk and Ali Hines, given. I would assume Troy Harper, and then your other spots are kind of. What about Zach Walton? He had a Zach Walton is he hit a big Australia game one, right? Yeah, I think a lot of people are anticipating that he might start. Um, and he's a freshman, three. right? Uh, no, I think he's coming in as a sophomore. Yeah, yeah he's a Spiker seemed to love James Butler too. You know, in the conversations we had with him. Uh, so. <sighs> yeah, and then you're going to look at the other spot. Though that's the spot that's the most open. I think Walton will start, and then who starts in the. In that five spot. Butler's a little undersized. Maybe they start Tim Perry. I don't know if he's ready to go, but he's definitely the most uh, defensive ready. So Perry's coming in as have. a freshman, redshirt freshman. He's a redshirt freshman. So we got time to develop him. Yeah, and he has a potential to be really good too. He's a monster. He's huge. He's what a big he? kid. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Butler looks like a high-energy player. I don't know if he's going to be a – a huge offensive player, but he's definitely going to rebound and make the hustle plays. Uh, maybe that'll be a spot that rotates during the year based on you know who's playing the best. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. do you think Todd has packed on like 60 pounds in the off season, <laughs> so he's like Shaq now? I don't. I don't know. Someone I just saw on the uh, Slack channel they posted a picture with Malik Rose, and Tadas does look like he's about seven feet tall in that picture. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in that picture. He is yeah, almost seven feet tall. He's huge. He might even be bigger than that. Like, his head is cut off in the picture for some reason. Like, everyone else, like, Tim, oh, yeah. he looks like he's dwarfing oh, everyone else right by... Oh, Rob Falcone made a comment about the awkward hand placement of Spiker on Malik Rose. I saw that, that, but I was more focused on Tadis's head being cut off in a picture of already Giants. So I'm not sure what's what's going on there. Well, if they kept if they kept Tadis's entire head in there, then then Kirk wouldn't have been in the photo at all. So <laughs> Tadis does look like he put on a little bit of weight. I like that. What if he comes in this year and he's just, like, power-jacked? I mean, that would be surprising. I mean, that was his biggest problem to me was his, his, his strength. He, he's, he's definitely too weak. But, I mean, hopefully he packed on a little muscle. and He's got some offensive skills. I mean, I've been talking up Tadas for a while now. But... <laughs> Tadas is your, definitely in your starting five, isn't it? If you were the coach, No, right? I don't know if he's my How about Doles? What do we think? Doles isn't a five. We need, like, a five. I think that's the that's the issue. Oh, I know we're talking about the five now, but just generally, what are we thinking about? Like Doles was supposed to be one of our top freshmen last year, and you know he, he was a freshman. We knew he could shoot. I think he's got a lot. He's of- athletic. We just mentally, maybe we can a little bit of a jump there. Maybe we can make. I think he's got a lot of potential. He had. I think some of his problems were similar to Tadas in that he can't defend. Um, like he can't defend a three. He's probably naturally suited skill wise is like a three but he can't defend a three so you got to put him at a four is he strong enough to defend ca fours i don't know um but he can shoot and he's got great size yeah um, i'm looking I, at this picture and it's is tim perry a short 610 and todd is a tall 610 like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see that. something deceiving going on. i think he's on his tippy toes man i think he's like leaning up because he was probably covered by jarvis or something I don't, Tadis looks like a giant in that picture. I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's, I mean, Doles is 6'9". He, he looks like he could pick up Doles like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> he does yeah. look wider, too, to me. So Yeah, he does. Here's the hoping he's he makes some uh, noise in, as, a, as a five this year. Yeah, no, he does look really, 
intimidating that picture there. <laughs> I think this exhibition game should give us some uh, idea of, I guess, what the starting five is going to look like. But uh, leading into the season, I think we're picked pretty much in the exact same spot we were. We finished last year, right? I think uh, most people have us picking finishing ninth. And if you guys got a chance to read up on any preseason rankings, where did we finish last year? Seven? Because we were in the just we're in the playing game, right? We were the last spot in the playing game. If I remember correctly. I thought we finished... Why did I think we finished ninth last year? Too? It might have been like a tie between no, seven and nine. I'm not even oh, sure. Oh, no. We were... Because um, we played Charleston in the second round. So we had to be in the 8-9 game. We won the 8-9 game. Yeah we, yeah. we had a shot at getting out of the playing game. But we, we had played. a legitimate shot at getting out of that playing game. Yeah, but we, we ended up falling to nine. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That needs to be our goal for this season. Uh, and obviously, we have no say in that as fans. But... From a mental standpoint, from a getting over the hump standpoint, like wins, losses, out of conference, whatever, in the CAA, we need to not play that first game and then ideally win the first game after, uh, after that first round. That should be the goal, minimum. That's a great goal. That's a great goal. It's a stretch goal, uh, I think, for this team, but it's an achievable goal. Um, and... I uh, know. I think that would be that would be awesome. I would be very excited if we got out of the playing game this year. I mean, there's no. I mean, that, I can't believe I'm saying this, but <laughs> there's there's no juggernauts at the bottom of the league. I mean, like Townsend returns almost no one. Like I, I run, I, I put together like this spreadsheet. How, how's every Delaware going to do without Ryan Daly? I mean, they have more points returning than us right now, but. I don't know. But how much is that is just because Tremaine took so many shots. I, like, I get no. Tremaine not returning is a big difference, but... We well, beat LaSalle without Tremaine. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, on the road. Yeah, we, I think we beat Houston without Alihan. Like, I don't know how any of these things happened last year. But, I mean, Tremaine's a huge loss, like, if you just look from a purely statistical standpoint. I mean, the guy takes us from returning the second most in the league behind Northeastern to returning the second least in the conference only ahead of Townsend. So, uh, I mean, I, I get exactly why we're picked this low. And it's yeah, but do be... we get an incremental Kirk Lee bump without Tremaine? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Kirk Lee's going to be better for sure. Um, well, nothing's for sure, but we I expect. think picking, <laughs> being picked ninth is a good thing for us. I think it puts. I think it it sets the expectations low, but I think we're going to finish higher than nine, just based on some of the, not the you know I know there's some big gaps that we still have to figure out, like who's going to get the boards now that Austin's gone and Sammy was always good on the round the boards, you know is no longer here. So there's some big question marks, but I think being picked ninth is where I kind of want to be. Yeah, I mean we just there's just so many questions with this team. Like it, that's the problem. Like there's there's Kirkley. Austin is a big question. Leon brought up as almost as big as Tremaine leaving is stretch. How do no, we but stretch? that's what I'm saying. There's, there we have like we have three guys who played significant minutes. Really, that's it. And none of them was all league last year. So if you're gonna bring up bring up to that level, like who is gonna step up? Unless we have someone take a huge step, you need one of the sophomores probably to step up, and then maybe one of the new guys. But like, outside of um. Charleston, we know as Riller and Northeastern and brought back Lake. everybody. Northeastern brought back everybody. How about William and Mary? Um, they you know they they bring back a decent amount. I mean they're well coached. I think every the top year. four are pretty solid. Even I would say top, maybe even I I think we got a little shot, but like I don't understand why necessarily we're behind Delaware. I guess because they're returning more points overall. But I think just losing is, is a James Madison. Madison. Who, who do they have? It's they return more points than us. Everyone does, okay. <laughs> except Townsend. I mean, that, that's just all that comes down to. I, I, I think someone... some of that is uh, maybe weighted a little heavily against us, and that's fine. And then hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm sure Coach Spiker is using this as a almost like a something as a chip on our shoulder this year, you know, to get out of the ninth seed. So Dan Crane had a good piece on Always a Dragon uh, about how this team wants to run and they want to shoot. And last year we were last in the CAA in shooting from, I believe, from three at like 32.5%. And obviously losing Iceland uh, before the season hurt in that aspect. You lose that uh, part of the game. But with the shooters that, at least on paper, should shoot better than 32%. And if like Troy can 
limit the bad shots and and get his percentage up into the 30s, then we should be able to string together more wins. We we also had 15 games that were decided by five points or less, and we went eight and seven in those. So there's there's a lot of room for incremental improvement resulting in uh, in actual wins and not just the feeling of a better program. I totally forgot about Iceland. Imagine if we had Iceland too in his junior year. Like, I mean, that was another unexpected loss. You know, I, Spiker's first, uh, I guess, two years hasn't been without some setbacks that you know he could not have predicted probably. So I gotta I gotta cut the guy some slack, you know. And uh, I think going into this year with most of the roster being filled by players that he recruited, it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty interesting year to at least watch Drexel basketball. I'm pretty excited as a fan, you know. I don't think I've been this. Last year, I think we were pretty excited about Tremaine because we, we'd heard in the offseason how great he was. We still had some, uh, you know, and he was great. So there was that. But this year, I think the team should be more in tune with what Coach Spiker wants to do. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that. I know they have to plan how well, how well they'll execute, I guess, is what we're going to see this year. The beginning of a season is always exciting because you never know. You, it's a mystery box. It's a That's mystery why. box. There's always hope. You never, you never know. You can always be surprised. Yeah, like if if one of the players comes in, like like let's say Cam Winner comes in and he's you know close to like a Chris Fouch or a, or a Dame as a freshman, right. suddenly that boosts the team a lot. Um, if he comes in, he's a, your standard freshman, then you know you're not getting much out of him. But if you're getting that level from one or two of your guys who come in, suddenly it's a completely different team. Sometimes guys take a year to you know from freshman to sophomore year, they show up and they're mentally locked in a lot more so you never know i, I mean we'll see how things shake out we'll, we'll see some stuff in the in the in the scrimmage hopefully and bill and i will report back in the next podcast <laughs> <laughs> i think that three-man we website which i'll put a link to them to show notes and they're right up i don't know just reading about our some of our new guys gets me excited over there and it should be fun to see how many three-pointers coltrane washington hits just to hear the name being announced probably in the pa system Coltrane Washington. <laughs> that was pretty good. Maybe like a little jazz sax, like right after he hits one. <laughs> we will, can you can you uh, do a little you know improvisation? Can you do a little beatbox right there for us with the jazz beatbox, Nick? <laughs> that was terrible. That was pretty bad. I like the request though. Um, <laughs> anything else from like the overall roster or the preseason rankings that you guys took away? It was I don't think it was very surprising that we didn't have any players in the first or second team. But no, uh, I, I think the rankings. I think we're about where we should be based on what we're returning, and we have no standard. <laughs> that's that's after Coltrane hits a three. What is that video? Anyway, um, lost my train was that the never-ending sax clip? <laughs> it says epic sax guy. Ten hours. <laughs> Yeah. Love Ten that. hours? Oh, my God. How many hours did you watch it for, Marshall? Uh, it's good background music when you're just staring at an Excel sheet for eight hours. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. Um, I don't know what I was saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it makes it makes, it makes makes perfect sense where we're at. I mean, we, I mean, Kirk Lee's coming back. He's probably our best returning player. It's debatable, but I mean, he wasn't all league last year. There's still a lot of players remaining, so I, I think it's we're picked in the right spot. You got to hope one of the newcomers. Like, I mean, I think they're excited about Cam Winter. I watched some of his games. I, I talked about it on a previous podcast. I mean, I think he's going to get a lot of minutes, um, either backing up Kirk at the point or uh, he could play off the ball a little bit too. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting season. I'm ex- I'm excited to go to the exhibition and see how it plays out because this is probably the biggest turnover we've had in a little bit of time definitely what about the i think uh, dan crane had mentioned on the slack channel that he wants to come up with a hashtag for the season uh i think he had an open season uh, i think we had take back the deck that uh, you mentioned in your article marshall and i think robin mentioned also on the slack channel what do you guys think uh should be the hashtag for the season if we even we should have one I don't know if we can plan it out. <laughs> I think we got to see yeah. how things go. Maybe I, I like take back the deck from from what Marshall put out there in, in the article. I think it was good. Uh, yeah, that's basically the new pack the deck. Like pack the deck should be the standard, but until 
we get people actually back there. It's take back the deck to get those people back. I like it. All right. Let's do it. Take back the deck. Take back. <laughs> and I don't even know if that music is intentional at this point. Uh, or if it's just something that's you know squirts out from time to time. Uh, <laughs> he just the, loves it so much he keeps playing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think before we record the next time, at least we'll have a couple of games under our belt. Uh, I don't know if the exhibition game is going to be one of them, but the Eastern Michigan game and the Rutgers game, which, which both should be pretty interesting to see how all well this team gels or see who's even on getting minutes. So uh, do you guys? I know it's very easy early to have you know too many thoughts without having seen a lot of these players in action, but. Where, do you guys have any predictions? Do you guys have any thoughts on how we're going to do against Eastern Michigan and Rutgers? I don't even know how good those programs are this year. Uh, I, I don't really either. I mean, I'm hoping we win the exhibition game. <laughs> outside, <laughs> Don't of get that, cocky, Bill. Don't get cocky over there. Come on. Outside of that, I, I can't really speak on the other two. I mean, we'll probably lose the Rutgers. I want to get one win. Being one and one out of that would be nice. One win. Marshall, do you think we're gonna, we can pick up that one win if uh, in the next uh, – Two games or three games, in quotes? Uh, I think we will play two games, and I have no idea because I know nothing about those teams. Sorry, I'm driving, and someone just cut me off, which is why I stalled right there. No worries. Uh, You you should prioritize this over driving, but that's okay. Well, Both those games are on the road. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a tough start to the season. I think our first home game is uh, Bryn Athens. I thought it was Bryn Mawr for a second. Uh, I guess it's really hard to predict considering we haven't seen the team so excited about the exhibition game hopefully we get some ideas but hopefully we can get out of the next uh, the two real games with one win at least that'd be great Um, I don't know Marshall how convenient it is for you to talk about it but I know you got a chance to play uh, not play watch Franz play in Germany Uh, and you recently sat down with coach uh, Denise and uh, wanted to you know, do a little more maybe podcasting around the women's basketball program, which has, compared to the men's, been phenomenal in the last uh, last few years. So I don't know if you had any thoughts to add on that or... Basically, yeah. So when I was uh, doing some traveling uh, this year, I ended up in Germany uh, at the same time as the start of uh, France's basketball season. So they were playing a road game, uh, first game of the season, but I connected with him and was able to... Uh, to go to a game at their arena in Bernschweig, uh, which is about an hour train ride from Berlin. Uh, it was it was an interesting uh, experience. I didn't know really what to expect uh, from either his team or uh, the game itself, um, but uh, they, they ended up winning pretty handily. Uh, when I was talking to Franz after the game, he said that that team got the better of them uh, pretty well uh, last season. So... Um, Franz uh, played a good amount. Uh, he wasn't starting point guard. Um, I think he had a, a modest performance, um, but it was within the role that he's expected to play on that team. They have a guy, uh, and I'm drawing a blank on his name now, but he was also a Philly guy um, who uh, really went off uh, for them. But I think Franz had around 10 points, and it was just great to see him play again. And he's still wearing uh, blue and gold as his, his team colors, and but yeah, so that was great catching up with him. Um, we were going to try and do a podcast, um, but I actually had to catch a train to Berlin fairly quickly uh, after the game. So uh, I talked with him for about 20 minutes, but uh, wasn't able to do a full recording uh, there. But he's going to be back in February, so maybe we'll try and get him on the podcast then, and that way you guys can uh, be on it as well. Um, but we did get to do a podcast Uh, I was back in Philly for a few days uh, last week, and we did a recording with Denise. Um, Unfortunately, I, as producer, screwed up part of the audio file. So the first 20 minutes is probably not going to make it in. But the 25 minutes uh, that we do have, um, I was editing that a little bit today, and um, it's really good. Some of the stuff that we missed was talking about um, her high school Hall of Fame induction and how her team surprised her by showing up uh, and getting uh, tables for that, which she didn't expect um, talking about how she's been able to keep most of her staff together and the success that that's um, had for her um, up to this point. And then uh, not to get too deep into the part that you can actually listen to uh, once it's up on dragon's cast. But uh, we also talked about what 
it'll take for the women's uh, side of the CAA basketball to get the respect it deserves. Because outside of Drexel's success, JMU has been nationally ranked. Elon um, has been really good, but we still end up being a one-bid league. Um, And women's basketball, for as much as we complain about men's basketball being very uh, power conference heavy when it comes to NCAA selections, women's has uh, the problem almost even more so. Um, So... It was a really good conversation. Um, definitely take a listen. Um, Denise is, it's, it's amazing that we've been able to keep Denise at Drexel for as long as we have. And I hope that we can keep her uh, many years longer. And uh, this team this coming year uh, has a few question marks. We lost some seniors, but uh, some of the younger players uh, should be stepping up. We had a rookie of the year who's now going to be a sophomore in Hannah Nihill. Um, so actually the same day that the men open up away, the women op- open up with a home game against Quinnipiac. So um, everyone listening to this, uh, please try to come out for that game because the CA tournament championship game, which was at the DAC, was packed. And that ma- atmosphere is great. Leon, I know you were there. That was the loudest the yeah, DAC's been awesome. in years. It, it felt like the olden days. <laughs> yeah. And so imagine if we could get that for... Uh, I'm not going to get the expectations up for doing that every women's game. I get that um, some people uh, have feelings about women's basketball, but the uh, it would be great if at least for the home opener, we could get them that uh, level of support and then do it uh, regularly throughout the season, um, just giving them the uh, the fan support that they deserve because, like, like you said, they've been really good for, for a bunch of years. Definitely. And I think you were thinking about doing a couple more episodes maybe this season around the women's program, so I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah, me and uh, Bill Tor uh, will be spearheading that effort, uh, so I think the idea is to do it every other week opposite the uh, our podcast here about the men. So um, hopefully if you don't know a lot about the women's team, those podcasts will bring you up to speed. Uh, with that, I think that's every month, everything I wanted to cover today. I think we'll have a lot more to cover the next time we talk, probably after after the Rutgers game, because uh, we'll actually have seen the team play a little bit. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to add before we wrapped up today? I'm good. I think we covered about everything we wanted to. Nick, want to take us out with a uh, little sacks? <laughs> uh, yeah, hold on. <laughs> zip it up, zip it out. Before you go, I just wanted to thank you for being a listener. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, where we go by underscore DragonsCast, and on Instagram, where just DragonsCast. For even more Drexel basketball breaking news and discussion, join us in the Slack chat by clicking the link in the show notes or by going to www.dragonscast.com. Until next time, be good.